Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast, where we share stories about those who have fought to overcome addiction. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the latest stories, tools, and tricks to sobriety. Now, here's your host, Brock Bevel. Welcome to the Chase the Vase podcast. My guest today needs no introduction, man, but my guy is Michael Geyer. Mike, thank you, number one for being here on the show. Super honored to have you. What you're doing is making a huge impact in the lives of first responders. Absolutely. Glad to be here. This opened it up the right way. Since both of you and I love first responders, I just want to, I want to take a moment to thank all the men and women who have served, who are serving, who are going to serve for this country, who just understand what it's about, understand the, uh, the difficulty they're going for. We throw up a, a prayer for them and we say thank you. So, Mike, I know you feel the same way. So, thank you for that as well. So, Michael Geyer, let me just do a quick intro. I mean, I think it's going to take a minute to like really do you service, but hopefully during this podcast, you can just unroll who you are, if that makes sense. I know you're an actor, you're a director, producer. You, you have starred in musical theater on Broadway shows. We want to make that clarification, right? Yeah, not Broadway itself. I wish I had performed on Broadway in New York. Many of my friends have, but yeah, I've started on Broadway shows all over the country in different locations. So it's always been fun. So what are some of the shows you've been on, just so we may know some of them? Well, let me think. Uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which is a big show that I think most people know. I played Joseph. Uh, Anything Goes, which is a big tap dancing show. I played Billy, which is the lead. I loved that show. That was such a fun show. Oklahoma. I think we all know the musical Oklahoma. I played the secondary lead, which is Will Parker. He's the kind of comedic kind of guy. He's not very bright. He's a little slow, but he gets to do the big tap dancing number and the song Kansas City, which was such a fun. And we did it outdoors, actually, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in this big outdoor 2,500 seat amphitheater. So the whole audience, of course, was there, but we were, we were doing the show on a hillside and they literally had houses built and we rode horses and I mean, there were just buildings and we had guns that we could shoot that had blanks. And, you know, it was on the side of a mountain with a live audience outside. It was the most amazing experience. But just shows like that I've, I've done and made a living entertaining uh, for most of my life. That's amazing. One that I was really impressed with, you was on the Lawrence Welk show in Branson, Missouri. And a lot of people don't know who that is. I'm almost 50, man. I'm almost 50. So I'm surprised you know. I barely know. I'm, I'm almost 58. Actually, I'll be 58 next week. I'm getting oh, too close to it. But you know, I only know because my grandmother, you know, would make me rub her feet while she watched the Lawrence Welk show on TV every single week. She loved that show. It was the biggest show in the country back in its day. And so they opened up a big theater in Branson, Missouri. I think it was 2,500 seat. We had a 20 piece orchestra and all of the original Welk stars from the TV show would come in. And I was hired as one of the new stars that they were promoting. And so I got to work with the original stars. And again, had my grandmother known that one day her little grandson rubbing her feet as she watched these Lawrence Welk people would one day become their friends and perform on stage next to them, I think she'd flown away. But uh, so that was a lot of fun. You know, although a lot of people don't know who they are today, they were amazingly talented people. Many of them have passed now. Many of them are still alive, though, and still performing and still as talented as they've ever been. This one, I, I really appreciated the Jerry Lewis muscular dystrophy telethon. This was really big when I was a youngster. So I remember those week-long telethons trying to raise money for just bless you for doing that. Super cool. Well, you know, that was another thing that happened because of the Lawrence Welk show. I was performing, you know, with them and and they asked 
some of the stars from the Welk Show to sing on the national broadcast of the Jerry Lewis Telethon. So they allowed us to all do it. I had a solo with my ex-wife at the time. We both, we sang together. We sang a love song from Phantom of the Opera on, on camera, but we didn't know if they would put it into the show. So it was filmed live, but it didn't air live. So we were hoping, that, and they thankfully they happened to pick our song. They liked it, and they, they broadcast it live. And then I met Jerry Lewis just before he died in Las Vegas because Tony Orlando, who's a, another big singer from the 70s, very popular, amazing, talented guy. He's a friend of mine. I went to see his show in Vegas. Jerry Lewis came to see Tony Orlando's show. And so I got to meet Jerry Lewis backstage when he went back to see Tony. And, uh, and I told Jerry, you know, I said, you don't remember this, of course, but many years ago, I sang live on your telecast. And, uh, but yeah, it was pretty cool. So it was exciting to get to meet Jerry Lewis, by the way. He's a legend. Legendary. So let's get into it, Mike. Your most recent project, you're directing just some amazing, powerful videos for wounded, for the wounded soldiers, for the heroes, right? Your first one was the wounded hero. That spotlights on the crisis veterans are facing in ineffective treatments uh, for PTS. And I just want you to know, and I, I know that you know this, but for the audience, it's just not for the veterans. There is, I don't want to say sloppy care, but it's just ineffective care for the PTS. Most people understand it as PTSD. Why did you transfer from Broadway? Why did you leave that to become a producer, a director of these types of films supporting law enforcement, supporting first responders? What was that about? So as we've talked about, I made a living performing most of my life on stage is where it started. Then eventually I transitioned to doing, to doing television and film work as an actor, which I still do today. I'm a union actor and I have an agent and I still audition. Uh, but I started a production company back in 2009 and I just wanted to produce and direct my own projects for a number of reasons. One, I can cast myself because that's one thing I advise a lot of actors, you know, don't wait for them to call you, produce your own material, put yourself in it and build your recognizability and your build your demo reel, your, your resume, everything else with your own projects. So that's one reason why I did it. But getting into it, I love producing things that are going to change and impact lives. And so separate from producing films with other union actors that I would also be in, sometimes I would do films where I had union actors that I wasn't in, but all of my projects had a positive message of some sort, which is important to me because I want to, again, as I said, change and impact lives. And on accident, I ended up doing Wounded Heroes, the documentary. It happened because I met a guy in San Diego, Carl. He was battling post-traumatic stress, and he was on 16 different prescription medications down from 18. And he just, his life was a mess. He said it wasn't actually helping. It pushed back the symptoms, but it didn't solve the problem of post-traumatic stress. And I walked out of that interview like, are you kidding me? How is it possible this kid in his 20s is on 16 different medications that aren't even really helping solve the problem? So I decided that we needed to produce a documentary to see if there were actual solutions that would solve the problem, actually heal post-traumatic stress. So that set me off on this three-year journey. And uh, we found amazing treatments and programs. We released the film in March, and it's now available on Amazon and all of the online platforms, iTunes, Google Play, it's everywhere, uh, to rent. You know, it all happened because of Carl, in fact, that I like to produce things that help and change lives. And I have such the utmost respect for our military and our first responders who also have high suicide rates because of post-traumatic stress. And so Wounded Heroes is for all of them and does have solutions that will give them their lives back. Thank you for that. That is amazing explanation. Thank you. I should let everybody know that your film and credits are on like NCIS, Los Angeles, right? Just what other notable, so people can understand who you are. 
that we would know. Well, yeah, some of the TV shows, yeah, NCIS Los Angeles. I did one recently. I'm going to forget the name of the show. Oh my gosh. I'd have to look at my resume. You know, it's so funny. I forget about what, what's on my resume. The most recent one, it was with Louis Anderson and the guy from Hangover, the movie The Hangover, the heavy set comedian guy who's got the big beard. Zalfanakis. I can't even pronounce his last name, but yes, that last name. Uh, anyway, those were the two stars. Louis Anderson and Zach were the two stars of this thing, uh, this last show that I did. Oh, I can't believe I don't remember the name of that. <laughs> it's so funny. But I've done every soap opera in Los Angeles, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless, Passions, Sunset Beach. So a couple of them aren't even around anymore. I worked with Brooke Shields on a TV show called Suddenly Susan, uh, which was her show. Let's see. I mean, just a lot of different shows. Again, I don't even think about it. And people don't usually ask me, so I forget what's on my resume. I've done movies. RZ9 is a film that I did. I played a military commander, and that was released worldwide. Worked with Gene Hackman, for people who may know him, and, and a movie called Geronimo. I mean, I tap danced with Gregory Hines, for those who know and remember. Hines, one of the most famous tap dancers. He died young. He was only 50. I was 21 years old at the time, so that was a long time ago. Uh, but I got to work with Gregory for a week and tap dance in his, with him in his movie Tap. And uh, so just a lot of different things over the years. And it's always fun. It's always a blessing. But I really enjoy producing my own stuff now and finding through auditions, amazing actors that I get to bring on set and direct. It's so much fun. And I find actually, I think I'm more fulfilled doing that now than being in front of the camera. I still enjoy being in front of the camera. And I love playing bad guys. I, I end up playing a lot of bad guys for some reason. You just have that look, bro. You got that look. Like, you know what I mean? Maniacal. I can get pretty pissed off you know, with my acting because I'm, I'm such an easygoing, chill guy. But, you know, I've played serial killers. I've played child molesters. You know, I've just played psychos, guys in prison, you know, and I can just do that crazy look thing that seems to get me cast for some of these, some of these roles. But then I've had other roles where I'm crying because I'm a father or I'm a husband and, and my wife was killed. It's a wide range of getting acting roles that I get to play. So I, I do enjoy it all. Uh, thank you for that. I, I just want to set that on the ground so everybody knows who you are. Let's go back to Carl. I know you talked about these effective alternative therapies for all these guys, these women who are listening and saying, ah, oh, man, what are they? Don't skip over that. What are some of these therapies that you found that are productive, that are helping? So one thing we learned, because again, I interviewed a lot of people all over the country, including doctors and other experts veterans, active duty military, uh, military brass, congressmen. I mean, we have a lot of people in the film and some people we interviewed that aren't in the film. But the thing that we learned is that one, many times it's not just one treatment that does the job. It's a treatment and then follow up. Uh, that was one thing we talked about in the film. The other thing is surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So many times veterans and first responders battling post-traumatic stress will isolate. Well, when you're in battle overseas, the last thing you do is want to go out there and fight the battle on your own. You've got a team of people working with you side by side. If you need some backup or support or air cover, you call for it. And they come in and together you kick butt and you destroy the enemy. And it's no different battling post-traumatic stress. So we do feature a couple of programs that are like week-long programs where you meet other people that are like-minded. You can get new battle buddies and together you each understand what you've gone through, what you're going through. Together, you can fight and beat and destroy the enemy of post-traumatic stress. And then the third thing we really push in the film is finding a new mission, a reason to get up each morning, to do something that's bigger than yourself. So those are three important points that we talk about in the film. But the uh, alternative treatments, one is horse therapy. We go to Saddles and Service in San Diego. And it's an amazing segment in the film, watching the horses and the veterans and the first responders work together. And they talk about how impactful it's been on their lives, why it worked. We talk about something called RTM, Reconsolidation of Traumatic Memories. I'll explain that in a second. And ART 
accelerated resolution therapy. They're both very similar. And what they are is the outcome is exactly the same. They just go about it slightly differently, but it's a neurological intervention. For people battling post-traumatic stress, they've got the memory and then they've got the emotion. And these two are just tied so tight together more than they should be. It's overactive. So neurologically through a simple process, they are able to separate the emotion from the memory so that you can now remember whatever the traumatic event is. And, but because the emotion is no longer attached to it, you don't have that overwhelming traumatic emotional experience that you get with post-traumatic stress when you used to think about that memory. It's, it's gone. And people who had given up hope, people who had tried everything they said, people who were suicidal and tried to take their lives by suicide are all featured in the film saying, I now have my life back. I'm now happier than I've ever been in my entire life. One guy said, I feel like a soldier again. You know, these are people who had no hope. Now have their lives back from these, some of these treatments. Another one is called Stella Ganglion Block. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it, yeah. SGB, and it's a shot in the neck. It's a simple 10-minute procedure. But, you know, not everybody needs that one. There are people who do. They are in such bad shape. SGB will just kind of jumpstart things for them to get them in a place where they can actually feel normal enough and relaxed enough to then implement one of these other things that we feature in the film, which will give them long-term benefits. SGB is short-term. But like I said, I met a guy. He needed SGB. He, there's nothing would have worked on him, I don't think, other than SGB. He was in such bad shape. He looked like a wild animal. I was afraid to get too close to him. His wife actually told me not to get too close. And after SGB, because we were there filming, I was shocked at the difference in this man. He was relaxed. He was laughing. He hadn't been outside and shopping in, I think, two or three years. He said he couldn't wait to go shopping. Everything changed drastically because of this SGB shot. But again, it's a short-term thing. But now he's in a place where he can be relaxed enough to then take advantage of one of the other options that are out there that will give him long-term help. You know what's interesting? I'm so glad you said that. What I feel is a, maybe a, an issue with PTS is so many people, doctors are using the same therapeutic model for each client, with, for each patient. What I notice is I work in the field of recovery. And not one, everybody has to find their own approach to recovery. Some people it's AA, some people it's through higher power, some people it's through like MAP medication, medically assisted treatment where they're, they're doing the reduction in it, right? And I feel like we doctors, these experts out there, they have one modality that works and they're not willing to try other directions. So I'm so excited to hear that these veterans are receiving additional treatment, right? They're able to try some of this new EDMR, right? That's a kind of a new one that's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's really new, but it's starting to come to the forefront as well. And I love it because there is some deep rooted. Now, what I found, and, and maybe you can agree or disagree on this, but in post-traumatic stress, when it comes down to it, there are scenes out there that we remember in our head. I remember there, there was a scene where a baby died in my arms. I've told this story. I was supposed to do CPR. I rolled the baby over. There's the, a face of my daughter, same age, right? So that connection was in my brain. The problem was when I left that scene, I took ownership of the whole scene, right? I took ownership of the dad rolling on the baby, causing the baby's face be face down, causing the suffocation, causing mom to come home and grab the baby and run outside and find the police, you know? So all this stuff, and, and it wasn't until I had to, a doctor, a guy that I know really well, broke it down and said, hey, listen, what part of that can you own? And I stepped back and I'm like, well, the part that I owned is 
my arrival, when I received the call, my arrival to the call, how well I did on the call, and my departure. Those are the four things on that call I could own, right? And he's like, but that's all you can own. And for me, that was kind of eye-opening because I wanted, that PTSD wanted me to take ownership of all of it, things that I didn't cause. And so I love the fact that there's experts out there that are working through this with these veterans that are seeking help. Now, in your quest for this, did you find a lot of veterans not wanting to receive help or too medicated to receive help? Well, that's a good question. And actually, uh, I would say some were too medicated sometimes, and they realized how the medications were destroying their lives. And, we, and they talk about that in the film. And it's a story and an angle I wasn't even looking for in the film. We just went out to interview people and let them tell their story. And no matter where I was in the country, I kept hearing veterans and first responders say the same thing. I was overdrugged and it destroyed my life. I was curled up like a little baby pulling out my hair, couldn't walk out of my house to check the mail. You know, I pushed everyone away. My wife, I was a piece of furniture. All these different things that people said because of the medications. Why, again, it was great to find, first of all, they found something that helped them, an alternative treatment that we could then put into the film to let others know they don't have to be medicated. They can get off the medications. They can get their lives back. They don't have to be a piece of furniture. Uh, so yeah, that, has, that can be a problem if they're over-medicated. The other thing, yeah, wanting to get help. So that has been something that was interesting because I have had some people that I've reached out to because I knew they were in bad shape, Carl being one of them. He still hasn't taken advantage of anything that we've tried to reach out to him for. I've even offered to pay for it, fly him somewhere. I'm like, Carl, we can get you taken care of. I think because he has so much guilt, he was a, a medic and he lost, I think he said, I forget how many people he lost, but he saved a lot of lives. He only remembers the lives he lost. He thinks it was his fault. He said, there's something I could have done better. Had I gotten there sooner? He puts all this guilt on his back and on his mind for their deaths that I don't think he really wants to get better because I think he thinks he deserves to suffer because of the guilt he feels. So that's how it's kind of been explained to me by others when I'm like, why doesn't Carl want to get better? I'm doing everything I can to help this guy. And the only explanation is he just feels so guilty. He wants to suffer because that's how he repays for what he thinks he's guilty for. But you've got to turn it around. As you said, in your situation, you know, what were you actually responsible for? You know, that was a great way to reform it, format it. And, and same thing with Carl. It's like, Carl, you know, they die. What could you have done differently? And if they could trade places, would they want you living miserable the rest of your life because they died? Or would they want you to live the full life to its fullest because you did get to live? You know, and of course, every person who died when he was there doing his best would say, absolutely, Carl, live your life, live it for me, you know. But for some reason, some people, I think, feel so guilty they don't get the help. Let's say there's a, a man, a woman out there that have gone through this, that are struggling with PTS, struggling with medication. They're wondering right now, I'm going through it right now with the guy, who this is who I'm speaking to, Michael, that's over-medicated. He's got too many different medications. What's his steps that you found in this show that he could turn to? Well, I would say I haven't seen him. I haven't talked to him. So, you know, it depends how, how bad a shape he's in. But my favorite, and we're going to talk about, I know, this other movie I have coming out, Healing the Heroes of 9-11. And I don't know when this podcast airs. Maybe it'll already be out. The film's coming out on September 11th uh, of 2021, the 20-year anniversary. And it's being brought to everyone by a nonprofit organization called 220.org. They do something that we feature in 
in this new film called TRP, Trauma Resiliency Protocol. And again, that is very similar to those two I talked about in my film, ART and RTM. It's that neurological intervention. And those are all my favorite options. And the reason 220, what they've done is they've made it shorter. It's, it's, you can do it in less than an hour. You can do it via Zoom. It's very simple. You don't even have to talk about the traumatic event, which is huge. Don't even have to talk about it. In less than an hour, they can get you healed uh, from post-traumatic stress for many people. Sometimes they need a second session. Sometimes they need two hours. But the bottom line is, I just talked to a guy yesterday. Two weeks ago, he tried to take his life. He had the gun in his hand, and his wife and best friend talked him down. Two days later, he met with somebody at 22-0, and after a two-hour session, he said, I have not felt this good in my entire life. My wife, she hasn't seen me smile like this in over five years. I'm sleeping at night. I'm not snapping. This is a two-hour session that changed this man's life forever in the life of his relationship, his family. He's a father, his kid, his son. And that was with TRP, which again is very similar to the others that are in my other film. And so healing the heroes of 9-11, we follow these, nine, these first responders that were there at 9-11. We talk to them about their experiences, which were incredibly traumatic. They've battled post-traumatic stress the last 20 years. And then on camera, we put them through TRP which is what, as I said, 22-0 does. Then we filmed them again afterwards to see if there was a difference. And all five of them had a dramatic change in their lives, which we can talk about in a minute if you'd like. You know, so my very long answer to your question is I would say TRP is one of my favorite things and favorite options out there. And again, it's very similar to the RTM and the ART in my, in my film. It's that neurological intervention that separates the emotion from the memory. It is so impactful and powerful. It is shocking. And I've seen it happen. It's mind-boggling how easy it is. I have seen people who have had talked to a gal recently. She's raped, kidnapped, tortured. And she had a tremendous amount of trauma and post-traumatic stress that she battled, who now couldn't be happier. Guy who was a missionary, kidnapped in the Philippines, thrown into a hole, pulled out and beaten every day. He had to hear this guy get his head, you know, taken off, you know, the terrorist way, slow and torturous. He said the guy's screams stayed with them for years because they were horrific screams as the poor guy's dying. You know, just all these people who've experienced these amazing things. These are just civilians. And then you've got your veterans and you've got your first responders and what they experience daily. And it's very traumatic. And yet all of them I've talked to who have gone through this neurological intervention have had their lives changed. So that's why it's my first recommendation is usually what I would recommend. Then you could follow it up with all kinds of fun things like, you know, horse therapy or going to a group program that lasts for a week where you find other people that are like-minded and just keep yourself strong. And, you know, you get somebody to call who's got your back and a lot of great options. But yeah, 220, that's a great organization. I really highly recommend them. And, and uh, TRP is pretty spectacular. Well done, man, because I just threw that on you and I, you did excellent. You received it well and you presented. That was cool. I know that you're not a medical professional. I do understand that. I'm pulling just from what you've seen by doing these documentaries, that's what I'm looking for, man. I'm looking for real hope that these guys, these women can turn to. It doesn't always have to be medication. It doesn't always have to be a year-long process. And so 22-0, I'm assuming is, there's 22 veterans dying today. You want to get it back down to zero. I'm assuming that's what it is. So let's do this. If you don't mind, man, let's talk about this second film. Really excited. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you because I want to get this out next week. I want to get it out before the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. The show, the documentary is called Healing the Heroes of 9-11. So tell me what the premise, you've, what, you take six individuals. Can you share with us what it's about? Absolutely. 
So 22-0 called me. This was Dan Jarvis. He's the guy who runs 22-0. He's a veteran, uh, army veteran, combat veteran, and a retired sheriff. And he battled post-traumatic stress. He was suicidal. He felt the pain that people going through post-traumatic stress feel. And he found an alternative treatment that saved his life. So he was like, one day he just popped out 22-0. And they're like, what? And he's like, we've got 22 veterans dying a day and we need to take it to zero. So he's like, I don't know how we do a nonprofit. I don't know how we start an organization, but let's do it. So he found some people who could get everything set up, created a board. Years later, they've literally saved thousands of lives. People who, again, were suicidal. These people I've interviewed, no hope. And you know they're helping people all over the country and now all over the world because of Zoom. And Dan has a whole team of people. There are people being trained in TRP all over the country. So for the 911 first responders, there were five of them. Four were at Ground Zero in New York, and one was at the Pentagon. And so we hear their stories of what they experienced that was very traumatic. It's really heartbreaking. I'm doing the edit on the film, and I'm still in tears watching and hearing their stories, even though I've heard them over and over again since I'm editing it. Uh, Powerful stories. And then we put them through the TRP, and then we talked to them afterwards. And, you know, one of our guys, John, he hasn't been able to go back to Ground Zero in 20 years. He and his wife have tried. They can't get any closer than two blocks away. But after TRP, for the first time ever, we filmed him inside the museum and at the memorial walking around because it was so, TRP was so life-changing in his life. So that's dramatic. Our guy from the Pentagon, he has not been back to the Pentagon in 20 years. He said, you know, he goes, I've always meant to. He goes, but I just, for some reason, I never end up. He said, I think, you know, subconsciously, I'm just afraid to go back. He literally said, I don't want to be that guy. This guy's a badass. He was with Blackwater. He was a police officer. He was a firefighter. I mean, he's 50 years old and he looks, he's in, he's in better shape and more tougher than I think most young kids that are, you know, as in shape. The guy is really tough. And he goes, I don't want to be that guy walking around the Pentagon crying like a baby. I, I haven't gone back. After TRP, he was so excited. He goes, I can't wait to go back. He just sent me a message yesterday and said, I just uh, booked a flight. And he goes, I'm going to be back at the Pentagon September 11th, Saturday. And he says, I've been invited to a special event since I was one of the firefighters there. And he goes, I am stoked. I can't wait. That's a very different person compared to the guy I talked to before TRP, who was like, I just can't go back. It's going to be too hard on me. So, I mean, these are, you know, Gail, who was buried alive twice uh, in New York. When I say buried alive, meaning the buildings came down. And as a first responder, her and her small team were encapsulated, you know, in these big boulders and slabs and pieces of metal. And thank God they didn't die, but they had to eventually find a way out that happened to her twice you know so and that was one of you know two of many things that happened to her but she said she doesn't like coming into new york she would always only come in if she had to was forced to she'd get in do her business and get out she had to take a train in and she goes she always freaked out because the train sometimes would go underground and she goes if it stopped she said i'd sweat i'd pace i'm panicking because she'd been buried alive last thing you want to be is in a tunnel and after trp She literally said, because we filmed her, she came back into New York for us to film her. She goes, I walked in and I actually enjoyed the city for the first time in 20 years. I took my time. I looked around. She goes, I forgot about how amazing the skyline is. And then she goes, and after I got to New York, I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about the train. And she goes, we even stopped in the tunnel and I didn't even think about it. She goes, I've never not thought about it. And she goes, I mean, so again, these are really dramatic life changes in people and their trauma, which are life changing for the rest of their lives. And that is possible for any traumatic event using TRP. So it's amazing.
So how does somebody go about finding out more about TRP? Is it covered through insurance? What I mean, through the VA, what can you tell us about it? How do they get it started? So you're going to love this answer. Uh, so TR220 um, offers it for free for first responders, veterans, active duty military, and their families. No cost. And as I said, it's an hour, two hours, and you're set free. It's hard to believe. I know there are going to be skeptics, and I don't blame you, anybody who's skeptical, because I, I would be too. I'm sitting here thinking, come on, man. Exactly. And you should be. But what's funny is every single person who has been healed, which is the key word from post-traumatic stress, said the exact same thing. There was a guy, because we also interview first responders in Healing the Heroes of 9-11, because one of the things 220 is doing, which I just love, is they're having people trained that other police officers in departments are being trained, firefighters are being trained, 911 dispatchers are being trained. So if somebody in their department is having an issue, one of the other officers can be like, hey, I know what you're going through. Let's, let me put you TRP. They can heal each other on the spot within their own departments, which is very beneficial. You don't have to go see a psychiatrist who are gonna, who's going to say, oh, let me give you these medications. You, you don't have to go and talk to your supervisor and talk to HR, and then you're worried about, am I going to lose my job? Are they going to take away my gun? You know, all these things that are real life situations. Who wants to lose their living because they want to be honest and say, I need help? They don't. So they keep it quiet. And so they self-medicate and drink and whatever else. We interviewed Firefighter of the Year in Arizona. He said every night, he not only smoked weed at home, he smoked weed at the fire department because he was in such bad shape with post-traumatic stress. And he goes, and at the same time, I'm Firefighter of the Year speaking in front of hundreds of people, doing all this press, and nobody knew I was suicidal and miserable. TRP changed his life. You know, these police officers we interviewed, like I said, they were miserable and just a complete mess, and they all have their lives back. Every one of them said the same thing. I didn't believe it. No way. It's not that, couldn't be that easy. And every one of them were like, one, one guy said, I now know what an alarm clock is. He goes, I haven't had an alarm clock for years because I'm always awake. I don't sleep well. He goes, I sleep so good now. He goes, I finally, I get it. I understand what the alarm clocks are for. I'm hearing this from everybody I talk to who's done TRP. So you don't have to believe it. I'm going to be like everybody else. And I'm going to say, Michael, you're full of crap, but I'm going to say it's free. It's free to try out, right? 22-0, what do you have to lose? And so I'm going to throw everybody, uh, Michael, give us the website. How do we get in contact with these guys? Because I love it. Man, I'm going to make a phone call. Because I, I mean... I still feel like there's always things that I could get better on. I would love to have a testimony of this TRP as well, because I work with these guys on a daily basis. And if you can train me how to help, I'm in, brother, because I know, think about this. How long did it take these men and women to get this PTSD? And for some, it was momentary. Maybe some, they saw that baby drowned. For some, it was the car that, that was caught on fire and the smells and the sounds and the cries. It didn't take years and years. So what I'm hearing is a lot of doctors now are putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. We're just seeping out. We're bleeding all over the place. And if you're telling me that, hey, in an hour, less time than it took a lot of us to get the PTSD, and we can get out from it, right? That's what you're telling me. I love it, man. I'm digging it. And so if you're telling me that, what do we have to lose? So let you give us the website, contact information. I'm going to put it out on the website. We're going to promote this. So let me hear it. 22zero.org. And watch the film. The film is going to be available for free, Healing the Heroes of 9-11, starting September 11th. 
And it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on Vimeo uh, and other platforms, but it'll also be at the 220.org website. Anybody can watch it, watch their stories before and after, and look at the changes and everything else they said. If you're not sure if you want to call 220, at least watch the film, and then I'm, I'm sure you'll, be, you'll definitely want to call at that point, <laughs> because you're going to be shocked. Yeah, I'm going to second that. Let's watch, because I'm super excited, Mike. Michael, I know you've put a lot of time and energy. I understand why you're doing this. It's a labor of love. But more than that, you're creating hope for these men and women, brother. And I can't thank you enough. So thank you for that. 220zero.org. The movie, the documentary is called Healing the Heroes of 9-11. Okay. And that's going to be out September 11th of this year, which is what, Saturday coming up. And so can you send us some advertisement so I can attach this and maybe a, a little poster or something, picture that I can send out? Because I'd love to promote it. Yeah, we've got the uh, movie poster. We actually just finished it. So I can send you the movie poster that you can use. And then also, I don't even know if you can see it, but Wounded Heroes, I'll send you that poster if you can let people know about that. Because that's another film that's just, it's pretty spectacular as well. With There's a lot of other more in-depth details, not only about post-traumatic stress, but just about implied consent if you're going to take medications knowing what you're taking what the side effects are there's just a lot more detailed information in wounded heroes as well and that one is available on i think i may have said this already but amazon and itunes and google play and all those usual platforms but yeah i'm excited about healing the heroes of 9-11 because I, it's going to save i believe hundreds of thousands of lives and there are departments all over this country that are going to start training their own people like we've already had 12 people at a police department in Florida, they all just got trained in TRP so they can all do it with each other, for each other. You go to a massive shooting and you all, you, these officers all experience this traumatic event at a massive shooting and bodies and whatever else, everywhere else. And then to go back to the station and go, you know, let's get rid of that. And they go through the TRP process, bam. They don't have to then get post-traumatic stress later and the sleepless nights and all the other issues. They can actually deal with it on the spot. So that's why they're really pushing to have this thing pushed out to uh, departments all over the country. To help each other. Yeah. Thank you. People who are culturally competent. That's a big one for us, brother. Michael, thank you so much for your time, brother. I do appreciate you. I love the fact that you're out there. Please go to these websites, uh, 220.org. Watch the movie Healing the Heroes of 9-11. Also, Wounded Heroes documentary. You can find those. But also, keep chasing the vase. You can go to chasethevase.com fightlikedavid.com or fightlikedavid backslash jumpstart. Jump in, start changing your life. Mike, you're an amazing guy. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. You've been listening to Chase the Vase podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple podcast to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more information, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or visit our website, chasethevase.com. Until next time, keep chasing the vase.